So this morning we're continuing in a, a series on Genesis. We're still early uh, in, in, on in the story uh, that Genesis narrates. Uh, the, Moses is the writer of Genesis. And uh, so we're going to take up where we left off uh, last week. Um, I mean, I just feel like I have to take a deep breath and say, the Lord is good. And, and what... Well, you know, I, w- I wasn't there when, when what Sarah shared about played out, but it's affected me deeply as, my, as, I, as I've been processing with my wife, and, and uh, I'm just stirred that the Lord is, is doing something. He's doing something in us as his people, and I believe he's doing something in the community around us. And uh, this is not something just to say, oh, yay, and keep on going in life. Uh, I want to I invite you to ponder uh, what what Sarah shared uh, and what ha- what happened this past week and uh, the and 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 like she said that the fact that, that members of our community uh, were there uh, it's affecting us and I hope that you get to to interact and and hear more uh, from others who are who are there in in those moments but the Lord is is at work He's at work um, and I. Uh, you know what? I, I'm, this, this will be testimony Sunday. Sunday. I was going to weave it into my sermon, but I, but I, I, I want to stop and, and share another uh, testimony uh, from the Hollingsworth household. Um, uh, about this time, is a little later in the summer, a, a year ago, summer, on the tail end of a conference, uh, my dad and my mom and dad called, and my dad shared with our family that he had just been diagnosed with prostate cancer. And uh, as the testing went on, they figured out that uh, it was stage four. So it affected lymph nodes. Uh, he, he, he hadn't gone to the doctor <laughs> in a while. Um, so uh, it had progressed. And, uh, and it was, it was a, a fairly rare form of prostate cancer and pretty aggressive. There's something called the Gleason scale. It was 9 out of 10 on the Gleason scale. So it was, it was an aggressive form uh, of cancer. And, uh, and as, as he consulted with, with several different hospitals, uh, figured out that it was rare enough that there wasn't a clear direction on, on, uh, that the doctors had for, for the way to, to treat it. So he, they initially put him on home hormone therapy, which hopefully reduces the size uh, or stops the spread and reduces the size of the, of the prostate. And uh, so he, he consulted about a month and a half ago with MD Anderson. My, my parents are in Oklahoma, so MD Anderson is one of the foremost cancer hospitals. But they didn't do any new tests. They looked at all his old tests gave their final recommendations, and so he decided on radiation and went in, you know, radiation is very precise and focused. So a few weeks ago, he went in for, uh, for another, another battery, CAT scan, MRI, blood test, so that when, when he began treatment, they would know exactly uh, how, to, how to focus the treatment. So, uh, so the doctor hollered at him after the test came back, and they said, I want the doctor, and the doctor said, you know, uh, there's no sign of cancer in your body. No sign. Blood work, CAT scan, MRI. There's no sign of cancer in your body. And uh, so again, just you know, as Sarah shared what she's shared, and then we've walked through this in our family together. How can we not give glory to the Lord? He is at work, and He has my attention. And it's a it's a it's a humbling thing. It's a very I mean, it's exciting. It's like wow, Lord. Okay. This is, I, I'm walking through a miracle with my father, my family. Uh, and at the same time, it's bringing me on my knees and saying, Oh Lord, you have my attention. Uh, you have my heart. What do you want to do? 
Uh, and so I, I share it in that vein uh, of the Lord wants our attention. He wants our hearts, and he's at, he's at work. Lord Jesus, I just, I, 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 we ascribe glory to your name. There is no one else like you. you. You cause entire kingdoms to rise up and to fall down. You know the number of hairs on our head. You desire that none would perish, but that all would know you, Lord Jesus. All would walk in freedom and life. So, Lord, we focus our hearts on you this morning. We, we, op- we open our lives and say, Lord, what do you want to do? Uh, what do you want to do in me, in us, corporately as your body? Uh, Lord, and what do you want to do through us to proclaim and demonstrate your kingdom is coming? Lord, as you speak through your word, in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to look at the, we're going to look at the story of Cain and Abel in Genesis 4, uh, and then if we have enough time, touch on uh, Noah and, and the flood. And the whole premise of, of the sermon today is that the Lord has created us for relationship. He's created, he's created us to walk in his presence. And when you, when you look at Adam and Eve, uh, where, we, where Sean spent time over the last, uh, last week and then two weeks before that, before he was sick, we see Adam and Eve literally walking with God in the garden. They had a relationship with him, a close, intimate, tangible relationship with him. And he was father to them, right? Provider, protector. He gave their life significance and purpose. Uh, there was relationship there. And then came sin and the curse of sin. What, what did Adam and Eve do? They hid. They hid from his presence. They, they futilely attempted to cover their shame. Uh, and you, you see in Genesis, God asking some very direct and pointed questions. Uh, we're going to see this in, in, in the story of, of Abel and Cain. And the point of, you know, this question that, that God asks of Adam and Eve, where are you? That's question number one. And when, and then, and when Adam is giving this, the, the reason for why they're hiding, uh, God said, he said, you know, I, we were naked and we covered ourselves. And God said, who told you you were naked? It's kind of a, it's a if you think about it in our, in our day and time right now, that's a weird question, right? Somebody walks in the door here, <laughs> unclothed. It's going to get pretty crazy pretty quick in here in the way we respond. So, so for, for, some, for God to say, who told you you were, you were naked? That, turned, that, turned, that, turned, that, should, that should cause us to pause and, and think, whoa, that's way different than what we're living in now because we're living under the curse of sin, right? But he created Adam and Eve to be naked and unashamed, fully known to each other and with him and fully loved. That's intimacy, fully known and fully loved. So, so sin comes. They're sent out from the garden. They were created for God's presence. We were created for his presence. We bear the image of God. We were made in his image, and part of being made in his image is being made to walk in relationship with him. The, uh, this morning when Sarah shared, uh, you saw me standing beside her, and it's not because I, I, in order for her to be able to do something, I have to be next to her. <laughs> I, she, I, I, I know she's been carrying this it really in, in, a, in a beautiful but weighty way, 
And I just said, babe, you want me to come up there with you? And she said, yeah, would you, would you come up with me? And so it's just my presence, just being with her. Justice, just, our 18-month-old our, our Justice is still in a season of life that he can breathe, he can eat, he can sleep when mom and dad are around. There's something about our presence that brings calm and peace and make, makes, his, makes his world all right. Now, it doesn't mean he can't function outside our presence. Sometimes he does well, sometimes he doesn't. Uh, but, but uh, you know, when Sarah, when Sarah was out of town, ahead of, we, Sarah went to visit her, her folks ahead of me joining them in Minnesota, and when she's gone, I can't sleep very well <laughs> because I miss her. Uh, and just her presence, I'm used to her being there with me when I'm resting. Those are, all, those are all human expressions of we were made for a relationship, and in the presence of trusted and loved people, our, our, our whole beings can be at rest. That's how God created us. So let's look at uh, Genesis 4. We'll start in verse 2 uh, and, and just read uh, through, uh, we'll read from 2 to 16, uh, read this narrative. So this is post-Adam and Eve being sent out of the garden. We have Abel and Cain, who are both children. Uh, Cain was born first, Abel born second, both children of Adam, Adam and Eve. It says, Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor, favor on Abel, and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, here's, here's, here's a question, here's a question here. Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what's right, will you not be accepted? But if you do, what is, what, but if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Here comes another question. Then the Lord said to Abel, where's your brother, or, or said to Cain, where's your brother Abel? Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. <laughs> Brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened up its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you're driving me from the land and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, Not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain, so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. It's a heavy story. Really heavy story. Brother killing brother first two brothers. <laughs> when, when God rejects Cain's offering, is this a preferential thing for God? He's like, hey, I like sacrifices. I like animal sacrifices. The fat, the firstborn, that's what I'm about. This, this crops thing, 
not so much. You're in, you're out. Is that how God operates? No. We're going to look at another scripture in a second, but God, God, God is about the heart, right? He's about relationship. And he doesn't give us, a, he doesn't give us context, right, for, for any instructions that he might have given Cain and Abel about sacrifices or, or, or worshiping with an offering. We don't, we don't know that backstory. But I just want to assure you that this, you know, Bible story growing up, Cain is bad, Abel is good. That's why, that's why God received Abel's worship. That's not, that's not how God works. That's not who he is, and that's not what this story is talking about. There, there, there is the internal heart issues that are, that are playing out in obedience, in response, in relationship to the Lord. And, and, and what plays out in Cain's heart versus what's playing out in Abel's heart, there's a barrier with Cain to God receiving his offering. And what's, what's Cain's response? He's angry. He was angry, so angry and so jealous of his brother that he went out and killed him. So if there was any question of whether this was an issue of the heart, that question is answered by, by, by his actions right there. When, when God pronounces the curse upon Cain, there's actually several things, right? One is he's going to be sent out from the Lord's presence. Uh, but but in, in, there's going to there's going to there's going to he's going to be he's going to he's going to be a wanderer the, uh, and and there's almost an echo of the curse that came upon the ground as a result of uh, Adam and Eve's sin when when God was talking to Adam and Eve saying the ground is cursed you you will labor and toil but Cain's response there's 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 sorrow there but is it godly sorrow it's not godly sorrow he's lamenting because he, he's saying if you send me out from your presence they're going to kill me. Out from under your protection, they will kill me. So you, you, see, you see lament, but you don't see repentance. You don't, you don't see a, a turning to the Lord in, in, in sorrow leading to repentance, leading to life. And so God responds to that question and says, I'll put a mark on you so that wherever you go, people will know that if they do something to you, they will be, there, will be, there will be heck to pay with me. Seven times over. But he still, but still says when Cain went out, he went out from what? The presence of God. Outside that relationship. 1 John 3, uh, verse 11 and 12. For this is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil. And his brothers were righteous. This is getting this is getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but in a few weeks we're going to talk about Abraham and God's covenant with Abraham. But Abraham what? And it was credited to him as righteous righteousness. He what? He believed. Faith. His response to the Lord was faith, and his faith was credited to him as righteousness. Is Abel's righteousness, his, or Cain's, Cain's unrighteousness, his sin is iniquity versus Abel's righteousness? Is Abel's righteousness something that he worked up? Is he just a good guy and it's his righteousness? What is it? It's faith. It's, it's, it's the righteousness of Jesus reaching back through time and covering him. That's what it is. 
So I don't want you to I don't want you to go back again to performance in, in, in reading in reading in me reading this from 1 John. Our our actions, our obedience flow from our heart. Our relationship with the Lord, or lack of, lack thereof. Let me read in James uh, chapter 1, 13 through 15. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. We see this scripture played out in Cain's life, don't we? Right before our eyes, this little narrative, it is displayed out. His heart turned away from the Lord, enticed by sin, giving in to sin. And what does sin produce? Produces death, not just for his brother, but death in the form of being separated from the Lord's presence in, in relationship, which is why Cain was created. All right, let's continue in Genesis. So here's the fruit of Cain. Here's, here's, here's Cain's lineage playing out, starting in verse 23. The, uh, Lamech, I think, is three or four generations from, from Cain. But hey, this is a point where people were, where, where people were living eight to 900 years. And so this might be four genera- three or four generations down, but Cain is probably still around at this point. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, listen to me, wives of Lamech. Hear my words. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring, injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech, ha, 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 77 times. So we, see, we, we start seeing this escalation of, of evil uh, as, we're, as we're tracking towards Noah. And so, so that's, that's Cain's line and, and what it's producing. And, uh, and then we have Abel. Uh, let me, let me uh, read in uh, verse, yes, verse 25 here. Adam made love to his wife again, and she gave birth to a son named Seth, saying, God has granted me another child in the place of Abel, since Cain killed him. Seth also had a son, and he named him Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. So you, so you see uh, this trajectory starting to play out, a, a remnant, a people calling upon the name of the Lord, pressing in in relationship towards the Lord, and then, and then an escalation of evil, which we'll look at in, in uh, chapter 6 here. I'm going to read Hebrews 11.4. It's talking about Abel. I love it how the New Testament unpacks at different points, uh, these, these Old Testament narratives. Uh, verse 4 in Hebrews 11, this is the faith, the faith chapter. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel spill, still speaks even though he is dead. His faith, righteousness, a remnant. And you know, want to know something? Want to know something interesting? It, at that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. And you you fast forward uh, after the flood, and you have the Tower of Babel. The, uh, the people say, "Hey, let's build a tower and make a what name for who? Ourselves. 
Not, not calling upon the name of the Lord, but a name for ourselves. This is, a, this is a theme throughout, basically, the history of man. Calling upon the name of the Lord or making a name for ourselves. Uh, calling upon the name of the Lord, we don't, we don't have in this narrative, it's so interesting because we don't, in Adam and Eve themselves, we don't have it unpacked in the narrative, right, of what their heart's response is. But, but, with, but with, at Seth's birth, it appears, like, it appears that there is a pressing into the Lord on Adam and Eve's heart. And I believe that, that their hearts were repentant. That's just, that's, just, that's, just my own, that's not necessarily something that I would say uh, fall on your sword over. But in their son Abel and Seth, there's a, a, a lineage uh, that carries on this made in God's image, made for relationship, made to walk in the presence of God. I, I'm, I keep saying it because that's the, that's the theme. That's, that's, that's the takeaway for today. Enoch. Uh, he, Enoch is in Seth's line. Uh, and there, there's a whole, in chapter 5, there's this whole uh, so-and-so gave birth to so-and-so and lived this many years but this, this tiny little bit, this little story of Enoch. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the, the father of Methuselah. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years. 300 years walking with the Lord. And had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. That's a cool story in and of itself, but I but really want to hone in on Enoch walked faithfully with God. This is a theme that the writer, writing under, the, under the, the power of the Holy Spirit, wants us to hold on to, walking with the Lord. Hebrews says, By faith Enoch was taken from this life so, did, so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So then we come to Noah. Uh, we, we have a man here, Genesis 6 says, uh, this is verse 8 and 9, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. And the fact that he walked with God, that he was blameless in his generation, when we read here in a couple of seconds about what his generation was like, is even more significant. But here's that phrase again. He walked with God. He was blameless. When we look at Abraham again, God is going to say to Abraham, I'm going to be your shield. Walk before me and be blameless. Walk with me, and you will be blameless because when you walk with me, my righteousness covers you. So let, let's read about this generation that, that uh, Noah lived in. Verse 5, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe 
from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. I don't, want us to, I don't want us to say, whoa, those people are so bad. That sounds horrible. Do you know that this reveals our hearts apart from Christ? That that, 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 that cycle that James talks about uh, of sin capturing our heart and producing death, that is us apart from Christ. This is our story apart from Christ. But man, it, it, this 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 specific environment that the Lord that the Lord is unpacking for us here is dark it's dark Uh, verse 11 and 12 said now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence God saw how corrupt the earth had become for all the people on the earth had corrupted their ways there's there's almost a a sense of self-destruction like the 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 consequences of sin in a natural way are playing out but then there's also the judgment of God that there are supernatural consequences because of who the Lord is that are about to play, to play out. And we have in this story both mercy, and we're going to see mercy coming through Noah, to and through Noah, but we have judgment. And that judgment is, is severe and something that, that we have to grapple with. And you know what's so, what's so amazing about the Lord is, is all, all the character of God. He can be all he is all the time, right? If, if, if I get angry because my expectations aren't met, I'm angry in that moment. <laughs> and I don't do such a great job of being loving and tender. But and now later, I, I, will, I will, Lord willing, come back around and repent and show tenderness, show humility but we, we're finite. We can't be everything all the time. But you know that the Lord can and is? He is everything all the time. And his judgment is not an egotistical judgment of a despot. We, if, we, if we try to attribute our human judgment in the form of, of a leader, we can't look to, uh, we can't look to our, our political leaders, the leaders of kingdoms here. We can't do that. We have to look at God in the fullness of his character. And, and, we, and it's, it is not easy to grapple with the judgment of God. But we have to look at him in the fullness of who he is and how he carries it out and why he carries it out. Because there is mercy and judgment. A lot of us are super familiar with this verse from Romans uh, 6. And man, I, I would highly encourage you to, to read through Romans 6, 7, and 8 if you haven't recently uh, but, but Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And uh, so God says to Noah, verse 13 uh, of Genesis, I'm going to put an end to all the people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the ark. So make for yourself an ark. Second Peter uh, chapter 3, 3 through 9 says, Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. What, how, do, how do the people, we don't have time to go into to the full narrative of, of uh, Noah, but what were the people doing when they saw him building this monstrous boat? They made fun of him. They thought he was absolutely ridiculous. 
Uh, and man, he, he went through that for a long time as he was building the boat. I'm not talking about a couple weeks. Uh, we're not talking about a year to build a house. We're talking about <laughs> is it 100 years, 150 years. Uh, so we're talking about a long time that he puts up with, again, this kind of environment that he lived in. Uh, and did, he, did this prophet, did he have any that were, that were listening to, to his message? We don't, you know, his, his family got in the ark, and so I don't know what was going on in the hearts of his sons and daughters-in-law, but I, 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 I hope and, and think that maybe their hearts were open to him that we don't know. But man, there's nobody around listening to him. They're scoffers. But this, this, this second Peter is talking about now. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. And they're going to say, where is this coming? He, Jesus, promised. Ever since our ancestors die, everyth- died, everything goes on as it is since the beginning of creation. But they desperately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being. And the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also, the, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Outside of the Lord's presence, outside of relationship with the Lord, we devolve into following our own evil desires and the fruit of that. The Lord is calling us, us being the world, us meaning his people, to repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that's our message too to the world around us. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It says Moses did everything that God commanded. Uh, and, in the, and when the flood comes, the Lord remembered Noah. You know, Noah, Noah and the ark, it, that, that, that is a precursor of Jesus, right? That's a shadow of Jesus, that, that in the safety of that ark, the Lord preserves for himself a people, and he makes a covenant with, with Noah. Uh, and, and the theme of covenant is something that we're going to look at further on as we go in Genesis. But God is calling us to covenant with him. He's calling us to relationship, to walk in his presence, to call upon his name. And, and it's really simple. Living in God's presence or not. Uh, going back to Romans 6, it says, it, it says it this way, walking by the Spirit and not by the desires of the flesh. Walking in the presence of God. What an amazing calling. Uh, Christopher and Ben, we're, let's, let's invite you guys to come up. We're going to respond to the Lord here for a, a moment. But that's, that's the call this morning that to, for you to, to respond to. What does it look like for you to call upon the Lord in this season of life? What is it to look at God and say, you are righteous and holy, I am not, and, and grapple with judgment while also knowing that mercy 
as James says this, mercy triumphs over judgment. That God's mercy in the, in the form of the ark, Jesus, triumphs over judgment. Uh, our call is to, to come to that ark, Jesus, to live in his presence, to call upon his name.